In this episode, I'm once again joined by Dr. Nida Chanat Sang, Master of Tibetan Medicine and spiritual teacher of the Utok Nyintik, to discuss Karma Mudra, Buddhist spiritual sex. Dr. Nida reveals his own training in Karma Mudra under Aku Lamo, the so-called horny professor, and the Longcheng Nyintik nun, Ani Ngawangyeltsin. We learn about the difference between Karma Mudra and Karma Sutra, the role of Tumo and Salung Trulkor training, and the purpose of tantric feats such as Vajroli Mudra, sucking milk and bodily fluids through one's genitals. Dr. Nida talks about sexual abuse by Tibetan lamas, the prevalence of spiritual gold diggers, and shares his advice for young tulkus facing the temptations of fame. Dr. Nida also discusses pollution of the energy channels through pornography and promiscuity, how to heal sexual trauma, and why he chose to make these once secret teachings available to the public. So without further ado, Dr. Nida Chanatsang. Dr. Nida Chanatsang, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. And in our previous episode, Heart of a Nomad, we discussed your life story and training growing up in Amdo, Tibet, and all the events that followed. And this time, let's go in a different direction. As well as being a doctor of Tibetan medicine, you're a lineage holder of the Yutok Nyintik, a condensed tantric cycle composed by Yutak Yontan Gompo the Younger, especially designed for busy doctors. And you also, as you recounted in the previous interview, received training in Longchen Yintik, Dutom Terser, and more. A part of these lineages and a subject of your 2018 book, The Yoga of Bliss, is Karma Mudra, which you describe as a profound kind of meditation. It's the art of orgasm and bliss. It is a special practice designed to teach us how to become more mindful during sex and orgasm. Your Karma Mudra teacher was Tseshung Lanyan Ropatsel, a wild nomad who you described as a horny professor. <laughs> he refused to become a monk because he had so much sexual desire, he was worried he would break his vows. And because of his wild and erotic style, many people did not consider him to be a spiritual teacher. Can you tell a little bit the story of your teacher and how it was you came to meet him? Yeah, so firstly, uh, you said I'm the lineage holder of Yutoniti, but uh, I don't know if I'm the lineage holder. I'm a Yutoniti practitioner. That's my main practice. And then, <clears throat> yeah, there's uh, my uh, uh, teacher. He's a common name we call Aku Lamo. Aku means like monk or teacher. Lamo means his name. Normally, Lamo is a female name, you know, Lamo Jap, his full name. It means he was saved by the protector, Belden Lamo. So it's a, that's why in Amdo we give that name, you know. So we believe somebody saved by a protector. Uh, Mahakala saved ones, we call Gumbo Jap. But uh, the ones saved by Belden Lamo, we call Lamo Jap. So that's his name. And uh, he was born also in the nomad land. And uh, yeah, he met uh, one of the greatest uh, Buddhist scholar, you know, in Amdo, Jisa Lodijanso. And uh, he wrote many books and he was an expert, especially, you know, Tibetan language and uh, grammar studies and literature and so on. So there, you know, he met uh, his teacher and he studied among many other students. And then, um, you know, because um, 
our teacher Akulamo Akulamochev was very um, brilliant student, and of course his teacher wanted he to become a monk. And then, yeah, Akulamo was a nomad, and he was very honest. You know, he said, uh, you know, I don't want to cheat you, my teacher, and I don't want to cheat myself, because I know as a young guy, you know, as a young boy. So he had so much sexual desire and he said, okay, maybe today I can become a monk, but I will break my vows maybe within one month or a few weeks, you know. So actually he was a very, very honest man, you know, very, very honest man. So when I was um, about uh, 14 years old, I entered a special school in Repco. It's called the Teacher Training College. And uh, so actually, you know, when I finished my middle uh, school, instead of entering in the high school, we entered in a kind of college, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, that time we had that kind of college. Then after, I think, you know, that time there was a short of teachers. So the focused the government to want to train more teachers. So we entered that kind of teacher uh, training college. And I spent there, yeah, um, three or four years to complete that study. And so there I met uh, Akulamo because uh, he was the professor there, you know. And it's not, you know, I met uh, at a college because he was a professor. He was also a close friend to our father. So when we went to the college and we stayed there in the college and our father told us, you know, if we need me and my brother, we went together the same college and, you know, our father told us if we need any help, you know, we should ask, uh, yeah, Akulamo and so. So then of course, when we met there, you know, the students are coming from the nomad land. So we call Drogpa, nomad uh, kids. And then there are kids uh, of uh, uh, farmer families, you know, so Shingba, Rumpa, we call Rumpa and Drogpa. So we are like the nomad kids and then there are farmer kids. So normally, we're a little bit kind of divided, you know, because the way we think and, you know, the way we do is a little bit different, the nomad, nomad kids and the farmer kids. So that's why, of course, for us, it's a little bit difficult to, to connect also the teachers that they are farmers, you know, or they are living in the cities because we have a little bit different way of thinking and so on. So that's why, yeah, when Akulhamo, for with him for me was very easy to to connect you know very easy to connect so i'm myself a nomad student and he was a nomad professor <laughs> you know there's something something very, very deeply connected yeah and then when he was actually teaching us tibetan literature and uh, poems and he's also a very good writer you know very poetic and when he talk about poems, it's something really, it's not only nice words or this, and he, he was very expressive. He knows how to express the love, the beauty, the feeling, you know, through the poems and so on. And, and uh, so that was our official um, study. But then very often, you know, I went to his, uh, his um, house and he had uh, just like one bedroom house or apartment, you know. So he was there and very often, you know, 
he invites me to go there and yeah. So we received many direct teachings, you know, like one, like the one teacher to one student style, you know. So we, yeah, I had that chance. Actually, it was really amazing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the karma mudra aspect of of the training with him? And uh, you mentioned he had that very erotic nature, lots of sexual desire, and so on. And that seems to be. Well, yeah, well, he's already old professor, but uh, of course he's still, I think our personality, you know, maybe horny ones almost whole life stay horny. <laughs> Somehow, you know, he has that nature and that's why he often teases us, you know, he talks about this subject, but of course not in the class. Actually, when also he was talking about uh, poems, you know, in the Tibetan style of poems, there are many poems about uh, prizing the beautiful ladies, you know. He was teaching us the, um, the poems and uh, Tibetan poems are, you know, Dupa, Dupa means prizing. It's very often we focus on this. So that's why if you read the Tibetan, you know, Guru Yogas or Dharma texts, there are lots of prayers. And actually the Prayers are very poetic, and this is a part of Tibetan culture. Really, Tibetans, they love to write the poems and they express all their emotions from poems, you know. So one of my brother, Dorje Tsering, or his pen name is Jampu, he's a very famous uh, writer. And he often says in Tibet, who doesn't write poems? <laughs> Somehow it's true, you know, like everybody's a poet and it's, it's a Tibetan culture, you know, everybody loves the poems. So that's why when Akulama told us the poems and when he taught us the poems, it's very expressive, you know. For example, there is a way to say Kelmelma. Kelmelma means, you know, without uh, the West, you know, waste. And uh, so this is an expression of the beauty. Actually, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That time we were young, I didn't have any ideas of expression beauty. But now I know all models, you know, they want to have a very slim belly and very tiny here. So that's an expression, Tibetan expression of beauty. So he says like, ah, oh, you know, can you imagine like a two, you know, like a beautiful breast, you know, they are like protruding. And then lower part, there's a two kind of protruding, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, how do you call it, big ass or, you know, the, the, the heap and uh, gluteal. And then he says, maybe if you look at this uh, girl or the lady, like you almost uh, have a feeling like there is no, they are, they are kind of separated. There is no connection, you know. So the way he expressed that kind of, you know, like the beauty, it's, it's something very alive, you know, or very organic. And then he says, oh, this is the definition of beauty and this and that. He talks about, uh, you know, women's body and this. You see, like, uh, he's in this very, very, very expressive, you know, when he was teaching that. And then, um, <clears throat> but in the class, he does not say much, but when you, he's teaching the poems and these things, you really feel it, you know, how much he's in this about beauty, about women and these things. But then in privately, when I go to his place, 
then uh, yeah he talks a lot you know about these things and then also i ask him to teachings <clears throat> first the teachings i start with uh, and dopetenchu dopetenchu is kama shastra you know it's a tibetan version of kama sutra so he talks about kama sutra you know it's uh, more like a private you know teaching he talks about kama sutra and then there i ask about karma mudra and then he give more explanations about karma mudra and then yeah he often ask me he said oh you know like maybe we we should you know like go out together <laughs> and uh, what do you say and he said oh you are you know you are like a young boy maybe you can like you know find you can invite other ladies and then is kind of teasing you know i can demonstrate the <clears throat> or to give you the teachings how to practice these things kind of joking and also kind of real you know we had this kind of very interesting moments <clears throat> and once he said oh if you can find any you know like uh, beautiful girls or women you should bring to me so then i uh yeah that time i was young and I, I met another like a young girl and she's kind of very, how do you say, I don't know, she's very um, maybe sexually active, I don't know. She approached to me, so I was not ready for this kind of things, you know. I was a little bit like concerned, I said, oh, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should bring her to Akulamo. So I said, oh, you know, I said, then I said, oh, I, I can feel like you are interested in me. But I said, I don't have experiences, you know, I was very young. And then I said, but, you know, I know one of my teacher has experiences, maybe he can teach us something and this. So then I invited her, we went together to meet Akulamo. And then Akulamo said, why, why you are here with her? I said, uh, oh, yeah, you know, you, you told me and I can bring anyone. And he said, no, 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 you don't, you should not bring like young girls, you know, she, maybe she was a teenager. So she was very clear about these things, you know, student, uh, teacher and student relationship. And also the, you know, the, how do you say, minority, how do you call it? The underage, younger than 18, how do you call it? Minor. Yeah, minor, yeah. He was very clear about this, you know. So they think that he said, no, 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 you don't mix these things, you know, like uh, as a teaching, we have to be very clear. Yeah, so I was, uh, how do you say, in my head, you know, I thought, okay, like I have no experiences. And then maybe I thought maybe Akulamo, you know, maybe he can practice with her, you know, as a, like a young student, that was my, it's not I want to practice with her. So I was a little bit shy and, you know, I, I never had experiences. I was only talking these things. So this, and then, yeah, later Akulamoji, he, yeah, he gave me more teachings about in the karma mudra part, you know. So he's, yeah, I told him because I don't have experiences, you know. <clears throat> he said, oh, don't bring these uh, minors to me, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was very clear. He said this. And then another story, funny thing is one hour classmate, she's also from nomadic area. She asked me, she said, oh, I know her mother is here, you know. And according to you, the, the, your classmate, she's beautiful or her mother is more beautiful. Then I said, Aklamo, for me, the daughter is beautiful. Of course, she's young and 
my age, this and that. And then he was laughing. He said, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I prefer elder ones. <laughs> and so he's saying, for me, it's the elder ones are more pretty. And so this is the how, you know, like we had a very personal, uh, how do you say, relationship, you know. As I said, we are both uh, nomad and we are very close and uh, this and then yeah actually you know i don't i didn't have any the you know sexual how do you say experiences even not ordinary one so that's why then akulamo start to give me the teachings about kama sutra you know normally we said dope denchu and it's a there is a book from genden chumpen and it was very popular so he was uh, quoting some teachings from there this and that and then i asked him about uh, Tantric part, you know, Kama Mudra. You see Kama Sutra from Kama Sutra to Karma Mudra. And then, so this is how he gave me the teachings, yeah. Many people are familiar, at least indirectly, with the Karma Sutra. To most um, people's minds, the Karma Sutra is tantric sex, involves many hours of lovemaking, multiple orgasms, or maybe sublimated orgasms, and so on. I think to most, in the popular mind, Karma Sutra is tantric sex. In your chapter, Clarifying Confusion, you emphasize that Karma Mudra is not the same as Karma Sutra. Could you perhaps explain the difference between these two categories of teachings? Uh, yeah, they are different teachings, but uh, they kind of have similar base too, you know. <clears throat> because um, not, for me, uh, Karma Sutra is uh, sex education, right? Like in the West, we had... Uh, the sex revolution and you know the the beginning of last century right with uh, um, Sigmund Freud you know and all this great uh, I don't know psychologists or psychiatrists they wrote about sex and then you know, you know they opened this subject so they call it the sex revolution and then sex is becoming more like an open subject or uh, I would say it's more is becoming part of our education system. So that's why I think in ancient Indian tradition, so Karma Mudra is the one of the oldest uh, sex education, you know. So it's, you know, some people they think, oh, Karma Sutra is only about uh, positions and this and that, you know. You know, and maybe it's more spiritual way because there are some temples about Karma Sutra and so on. So I really see it as a, very precise education system. So probably we can say uh, one of the first human uh, sex education is Kama Sutra, you know. And uh, yeah, in the sexual intercourse, the positions are important, but then there's the intimacy and understanding and, uh, you know, sharing the experience together, you know, the orgasm of, you know, love and respecting each other. I think these things are really, really important, you know. So, yeah, I, that's why I would say Kama Sutra, it's a basic sex education book. I think it is very, very important. And then <clears throat> Karma Mudra is more advanced, you know. It's not only, uh, how do you say, we should just uh, get stuck this uh, physical level and physical aspect and this uh, physical orgasmic part, you know, we should not get stuck there. And we have to go beyond of that. So that part is not mentioned by Kama, uh, Kama Sutra. 
So that's why Kama Sutra is more kind of karmic. It means more, more physical, you know, more kind of really physical, the physical position, the physical experiences. And so many things are kind of uh, involved in this physical part. And karma, mudra, we have the physical part too, but at end we have to go beyond of the physical part, right? We have to go beyond. And uh, I think both of them, we are talking about mindful sex, you know, in a spiritual uh, aspect. Kama Sutra is talking about uh, how it's important to be mindful and Karma Mudra exactly the same. We have to be mindful. And then probably in the Kama Sutra is not talking about, uh, you know, starting from the self partner and experience, you know, your experience and your partner's experience. But Kama Mudra, there is a self and partner, and there is a complete union, and that union is transcends from self. So for, then from the self, you are reaching the selflessness, you know, the state of selflessness, right? Let's put this way in a very simple way. In the Buddhist tradition, we talk about emptiness, right? Shumyeta, emptiness or voidness and uh, selflessness. In Buddhism, we talk about self, but then we have to reach the state of selflessness, that mepa, you know, free from self. And um, so also the reason in the Buddhism, normally we talk why the attachment is dangerous because when we are attached to our self and this can cause all kinds of uh, uh, how do you say problems or that can be cause of the pain and the suffering so that's why we cannot get stuck with this self right we cannot get stuck with this self then what we can really do is we using this self and we achieve the state of the selflessness dharma. so that's why in the karma mudra it's it's uh, compared to kama sutra is much more profound you know you understand it's it's very very when we say karma it's a karma you know the physical body and mudra means your karmic partner so that's why you have a karmic partner and when you have a partner you transcend from self because you have a partner too then you cannot think only one you have to think two so you unify these two you know you and your partner together and then generates the joy or the bliss, and then that helps us to transcend from the self. So transcendental, and that's why once we transcend from the self, and then of course also we are tr we transcend from the partner. So it's it's directly how do you say reaching the non-dual state. Okay, so that's why the karma mudra is very profound. You know, karma sutra they don't talk this much. But it, uh, as a uh, great uh, Tibetan master, Jumipam, he said, uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, you know, once you become an expert with uh, Kama Sutra, then Karma Mudra is much easier for you. So he talks about uh, Kama Sutra can be the first stage and Karma Mudra is the second stage. I like that his expression. Karma Mudra is often presented as part of the six yogas of Naropa and Sometimes it's presented as or seen as the uh, means to move from Tummo to the illusory body uh, practices. I'm thinking of Tsongkhapa's uh, presentation of that. 
And indeed, when you learned Karma Mudra, you also learned Karma Mudra from Anangawan Gelsen. I presume that was in the context of the six yogas of Naropa. Uh, it seems that when you learned with Akulamo, the teachings were given in a more ad hoc basis and not part of a complete system like that. Is that fair to say? Experiential part. Experiential part. So, yeah, when we learned, uh, uh, it's like this when you mentioned about six yogas. So, in this case, normally in six yogas, we don't talk directly karma mudra. <clears throat> so, that's why, for example, in the Yuta six yoga, it's very clear. First, we have two yogas for daytime. So, Tumu and illusory body or magic body yoga. And then we have two yogas in the night, you know, dream yoga and clear light yoga. And then two yogas, the moment of death or after life. So Powa and Bhartha. So those are called the six yogas. And then in Yuto system, it's very clear. First, we have six yogas. Once you get trained in the six yogas, and then you practice uh, two mudras, the Karma Mudra and Maha Mudra. And uh, so, and many other texts, this part, this part of expression is not that clear, you know. So that's why, and, and uh, so in a very simple way, what we need to know is first you get trained in the Dummos, and the Dummo is a preparation for Karma Mudra. And then, so in this case, you have to train very well that you can you know, you can uh, have the experience of the Dummo and uh, the blissful heat, you know, you generate the heat and then you melt your Tigle and then you experience that, you know, the Tigle is the, the bliss and you can experience that bliss. And uh, this um, practice, the experience is very similar to like uh, orgasmic state or pre-orgasmic state, you know, before the orgasm people uh, you know, the heart is beating fast and the body temperature is raising. And then the, you know, the, the joy or the pleasure is uh, intensified, right? Intensified and so on. And so, so that feeling is very close to Tummo, but normally Tummo, you do it more mentally, you know, mentally you generate that heat and you experience and so on. So it's, a, it's kind of a perfect preparation for Karma Mudra. And then, when you tumble fire, you melt the tigle and you have the experiences and so on. So for that, then there's a physical training too, we call Zalong Trukur. So you should do lots of physical exercises too, right? But it's not all tumbles, you have to do physical exercises too. So some tumbles, they're more mental level, some are more like breathing, the holding breath, and some are more the physical one, you know, <clears throat> Zalong Trukur. And uh, so, <clears throat> and uh, so that's why. In any case, we we know it very clearly that tummo, you know, in the six yogas, we say tummo is the cornerstone, and it's it's the foundation of other yogas. So it's very important. So in this case, also it's very clear that once you are highly trained in tummo, and then your next step, if you continue with tummo, your next step is karma mudra. And so in the Karma Mudra, then we have the two types, you know, one is the, um, the Karma Mudra itself, you know, with a Karma Mudra means with physical partner or Jana Mudra means imaginary partner. So my teacher, the nun Anila, 
she gave me the the, the teachings but uh, of course in her practice is she's she's doing the jana mudra practice you know she taught me about uh, jana mudra the system right jana mudra the system uh, and uh, then so that's why uh, how do you say in the tibetan tradition we have the scholar style and we have the uh, the great like mahasiddha style you know mahasiddha style means the experiential part and scholar style is according to the text so i can say that according to the text i received from <clears throat> that's the the classical official training part but then experiential part and you know the how do you say that the actual practice is coming from Akunam. <clears throat> actually i think uh, today you know the actual karma mudra itself is not uh, taught <clears throat> publicly i think uh, one is because uh, everywhere you know it is see the sex as a taboo and even in the tibetan tradition they very much they see that and uh, yeah there are great masters still today you know some masters even in the text there are some texts even there is this karma mudra part they say oh that's you know that's not important now or you know you don't need that now or that's not for the public or like this they kind of skip and they jump right for instance this telopaza uh, mahamudra um, uh, teaching you know the song of ganga river so he he teaches very clearly about the mahamudra about the state of mind you know the realization of the ultimate nature of mind and so on so he gave a perfect mahamudra teaching but at end he says if you don't understand the mahamudra then you practice karma mudra but then in his karma mudra practice also says very clearly that we have to melt our tigle you know it's coming in the four tile is falling down and then you hold it and then you reverse it you know so we have the four words and he actually mentioned these words and he says then this practice will be helpful and help you to understand the nature of mahamudra so telopa says it very very clearly but what i'm saying this is today the most of the mahamudra teachers and they teach mahamudra but once they come in that part of the karma mudra they skip it you know this is oh you know this is for it's an enhancer practice oh this is you know it's like it's about karma mudra but we don't need it or you know it's kind of uh, they skip it you know i think it's a really pity i think it's really really pity you know and uh, <clears throat> there are different uh, great masters they express in a different way about mahamudra and karma mudra so i mentioned this uh, telopas view because i think that is very essential because why the reason telopa he mentioned the karma mudra end of the mahamudra he mentioned it because he's saying if you get the mahamudra you don't need karma mudra but if you don't get the mahamudra you need karma mudra you know do you understand it, it's something very clear and the same way in the yotoninti system it's very clear uh and yotoninti system it's very clear because uh, uh yoto yotoninti yoto talks about uh, karma mudra 
you know, with Zalung, uh, you know, with uh, yogic uh, exercises, you know, long, long, long la makomba means the, you know, the karma mudra practice. He actually mentioned like two parts. One is the karma mudra practice, the ones who are trained in the Zalung Chukur on advanced yoga, yogic systems, and the karma mudra you know, the ones who are not trained in the advanced yogic, you know, physical yogic uh, trainings. And he mentioned, you know, two types of karma mudra. And then, and also he, he's, he says that this type of karma mudra for young people and who have like more sexual desires and who want to practice this, they should do the karma mudra practice. But then there's some people Maybe the, you know, maybe because of their vows, you know, they are celibate, they can't practice this, or maybe they are, um, <clears throat> how do you say, too old, you know, or maybe there are some people, you know, that physically is, uh, you know, you know, we call it a sexual dysfunction, or some people from the birth, they do not have any feelings, you know, pleasure, they don't see that sex is something joyful or, or, or or pleasure, these things, maybe because of their trauma, drama. It can be also because of their, you know, their physical uh, conditions, right? So then he says, if you are in these cases, you know, because of your, your vow, your uh, vow is the celibacy, or your monk or nun, or maybe you're too old, maybe your physical body or mentally not, you know, you are not allowed. <clears throat> or unable to practice, and then he says you practice karma mudra. So that's why I like the the things. So Teloba says, okay, Mahamu, you try with Mahamudra. It doesn't work, you go in karma mudra. And Yutov says, okay, you focus on karma mudra, but in a way somehow you cannot practice karma mudra, then you practice Mahamudra. So it is, um, yeah, if you put these two systems together, it, it actually really makes sense, you know. But today we know, of course, Karma Mudra is a secret practice, right? Exactly same like Mahamudra. Mahamudra is a secret practice too. But there are many great masters publicly, they are teaching Mahamudras today. And we can find many Mahamudra books, you know, commentaries, translations, and uh, so Mahamudra teaching is spread everywhere. And then when, when we, it comes to the Karma Mudra says, oh, you know, Karma Mudra is secret, you know. And actually Karma Mudra is not more secret than Mahamudra. I think they're equally, they're equally secret, you know, right? So Chakja Chembo and Lech Chakja. So they are both, you know, that's the Tibetan name for Mahamudra and Karma Mudra. They are both secret. And, uh, but I think uh, because of this, uh, the reason why the, Maham, the Karma Mudra is not publicly taught, and we don't talk much is, um, <clears throat> one is because of the, 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 the taboo of the sex, you know, I think that's one of the main reasons. And then the other one is uh, many people, they think in order to practice Karma Mudra, you must highly trained in the yogic exercises. So we call it the Dalong Tulkur. 
and then and now everybody's saying nobody is a highly trained or qualified in the yogic exercises in Samung Trungpur. So that's why no one is allowed to teach and practice Karma Mudra. Okay. In some traditions, which is a true, in order to practice the Karma Mudra, you must get trained in the Dhummo practice and yogic exercises and so on. And once you're completely ready, you are able to hold your energy, you are able to bring up your energy or hooking back your energy, reversing your energy, and then you are ready for Karma Mudra. Okay, that is true. That is the cl classical way to, you know, to explain or classical way to, to train the Karma Mudra. But also it is true, there's a other part of Karma Mudra, it's it's purely like experiential. We don't need to go through this. And so that's why Yuto said, okay, you know, the Karma Mudra practice for Zalung experience, the practitioners, and Karma Mudra practice for non-Zalung experience, the practitioners. So I really like the way he made that very clear. And then later after Yuto and some great masters um, how do you say, they talked about uh, Karma Mudra in a different way too. And one great master from um, my hometown in Repkong, Kamla Namkajal, so a great, a great and crazy yogic master. And he wrote uh, a great text about uh, Karma Mudra. And uh, yeah, in this uh, text, and you know, he talks about this, uh, um, yeah, Adi Yoga style of Karma Mudra. So when they use that name, Adi Yoga style of Karma Mudra, means, you know, the Karma Mudra practice, direct experience of Karma Mudra, you know, which is not, you know, connected or you, you know, with the Zalong Trukur exercises. So it means even you are not highly trained in the Zalong Trukur, you can still practice Karma Mudra in a very experiential way, you know? So that's why they call it Atiyoga style. Mm -hmm. Also in my book, um, I quoted one of this um, teaching from Togden Shakchashiri, Togden Shakchashiri. And that's Togden Shakchashiri's teaching, you know, uh, first time it was mentioned. And for me, it experiential way taught by Akulhamo, he mentioned it and he taught it. And uh, so that time I was, I just know the, the way, you know, the experiential way, how it goes and teachings and that. But uh, <clears throat> I was, I was, uh, how do you say? I didn't read and I didn't go into that practices, right? But later when in my practice and this, then I really realized that that part is very, very important. And the reason I put that in my book is to really let people know, Dogden Shakyashiri was a highly qualified master, great master, you know, both um, in Mahamudra tradition and Atti Yoga Dzogpachimbo tradition. So everybody, <laughs> how do you say, from all schools, the great masters, they, they respect him. So that's why I, I thought it's very important like, to show publicly that a great master like Dogden Shakyashiri and he actually mentioned, you know, this, you know, Ati Yoga style, direct experiential of Karma Mudra practices. 
So yeah, that's why I think it's it is important to know this part of the yeah the the karma mudra. Otherwise, you know, some people says, oh no, without the tummo, without the talon, no karma mudra. This is becoming like a kind of like a formula, you know. And that's why, and many people are saying, oh, the karma mudra tradition is lost and nobody practiced karma mudra. Uh, yeah, karma mudra, we had it, but we don't talk it now, this and that, right? We cannot say, oh yeah, sex, you know, ancient people, they had it and we don't have it, we can't have it. You know, we can't say, actually, what I said, this, um, you know, Trukching Lukdang, Kepe Luk in Tibetan. I think this, this to understand this two thing, I think it's very, very important. Even Je Tsongkhapa, you know, Tsongkhapa, you, as you know, he was one of the, uh, one of the top brilliant, you know, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, Tantric Buddhist scholar. So that's why when he talk about tantric teachings, he's so precise, you know, and so systematic, so precise. And he quotes very precise quotations from great Indian masters, you know, and so on. And uh, one of his uh, teaching about uh, Tummo, and he says there are different uh, systems for Tummo. And he says some of them, they are Tupchingalu. So they are the Mahasiddha, the great yogi's style. And that's why he says, you know, then you don't need to prove that in a very philosophical way, you know, theoretical way. And he said this great Mahasiddha's great masters and they, they achieved enlightenment. And then, so there is a reason how they presented the teachings in a kind of simple and direct way you know, not too much philosophical and theoretical. And, uh, you know, uh, how do you say, like uh, confirming every word you say is, you know, I'm saying the right word because of Nagarjuna, because of Chantrakirti, because of Buddha, because of this, because of that Tantra, do you understand? But then some people, they love these things, you know, intellectual people, you know, and, and now also today, there are some people, they love this kind of intellectual part. They want to know everything so precisely and what is right and what is wrong and this and that. So for them, I think like a great master, like Jetsunkaba, you know, his teachings, tantric teachings, I think it, it, it's perfect. But then some other people, you know, we are not that intelligent or also in a way, you know, what matters for us is the practice and experience, right? It's not so much running after who is right and who is wrong. <laughs> so then it's more experiential. And so that's why it's a Mahasiddha. That's why in the Mahasiddhas, they are not saying, oh, because of Nagarjuna said this, this is right. Or because Nagarjuna didn't say that is wrong. And they did the practice and they had experiences and then they, they know how to teach and how to transmit that teachings and they did that way. And so that's why I think it's very important to understand these two kind of uh, way of teaching and transmitting. If we understand these two way, then we don't need to struggle much and we don't need to fight much about who's right and who is wrong. <laughs> yeah. In your book, you 
make that distinction between the practices that require the karma mudra practices that require a grounding in Salung Trukor and so on, and those that don't. Um, and you write about the Vajroli Mudra. The Vajroli Mudra is a kind of urethral suction technique that requires strong control over the urogenital muscles. The texts say that when a male practitioner urinates before the urine even touches the floor, he should, by flexing his muscles, be able to suck it up again, immediately back in his bladder. Uh, some texts say that a male practitioner should be able to draw a whole container of milk up through his penis. Similar requirements are listed for women. Female karma mudra practitioners should be able to suck milk up into their bodies through their vaginas as well. You mentioned later to do with uh, ejaculate in your discussion of semen retention. Uh, you, you say in some practices, one pulls up the red and white tiglay together. For example, the man first ejaculates his semen into the woman's vagina and then pulls this up again along with the red essence secretions and spreads this out. Uh, you do not teach those practices in the book. You, you focus on the practices that don't require that previous training in, in tantric yoga. But I'm curious, uh, what is the role of those advanced practices? What's their purpose and effect over and above what can be achieved with the uh, more Atta Yoga style of Karma Mudra training? Well, so the Karma Mudra part of practice and uh, Yotaniti is very clear. That's part of Tile training. <clears throat> so when we do the Dummo illusory body, those are training of our channels and our energies, lung energies. So once we train our body as a channel and our energy, you know, as a mantra or lung, then we have to train our mind. So when we train our mind, we are talking about the Tile. And so Tile is like a kind of, uh, how do you say, essential fluids. And so according to Tantra, that's connected with mind, you know. So when, when we experience joy and bliss, that Tile is increased. And when we experience sadness and, you know, dullness, that Tile is decreased. So it's very important to work with that Tile. And then this Tile can have, you know, for example, we have one is called the Zech Tile. Zech Tile means the, the, this essential fluid, Bindu, Sanskrit is Bindu. Bindu, like substantial Bindu, it's something more like physical. Actually in my book, like according to me, those substantial uh, Tile's are uh, hormones, you know, the, the love hormones or the happy hormones. And so this, we talk about this tigle, the substantial tigle, and those tigles are specially used, you know, for people who have desire and attachment. When we talk about desire and attachment, in our life, we have many different kinds of desires and attachments, but sex desire and attachment is one of the most powerful ones. Okay, so, so that's why let's say horny people <laughs> or people with uh, lots of uh, sex energy, then we talk more about the zeg tigle, you know, the substantial tigle, or, uh, not substantial, the uh, substances, tigle about substances, which means there are some, or, you know, we have some like, let's say chemical substances, those chemical substances, uh, responsible for our mood, you know, for our feelings like joy 
happy and bliss and so on. So that's why I'm convinced in the tantric text they're talking about is happy and love hormones. And then we have the Ngakitile, Ngari is the mantra tile, you know, and the Ngakitile is the more uh, we use the mantras, chanting mantras and so on. These ones are used for more, uh, how do you say, uh, angry people, right? So at end, we're always talking about uh, uh, attachment, anger, and ignorance, three mental poisons. So this substantial tile is used for people with desire. And the mantra tile is more for people with anger. And then, um, then we have lungi tile. Lungi tile, the energy tile is people with more ignorance. Okay. So that's why in the tile, this part I didn't put in my book, but I, <laughs> I thought a little bit pity, you know, it, I, I have to make it a little bit clear about also tile. In any case, General speaking, what I wrote in my book is I was talking about this tigle, the tigle of the, the substances. And that tigle is very much connected with, uh, yeah, with the desire and so on. And then, uh, so this tigle, we can, the nature of that tigle is the bliss, dewa, Tibetan is dewa, like sukha, you know, the joy of bliss, also in our ordinary feeling is like the pleasure feeling, right? And um, <clears throat> then when we talk this uh, tigle, so there is a white one and a red one. And so that's why we, this tigle is also, we can say the essence of solar energy and the lunar energy, the essence of the <clears throat> sun and the moon. So in this case, <clears throat> You know, man and women, so one have sun and one have moon. So with this practice, actually we are mixing this solar energy and lunar energy. And then like, you know, we, in, uh, within ourselves, we can complete ourselves, right? We can complete ourselves. So there are some deities, there are male and female deities together, but we think there are two deities. Actually, this is the expression of one deity it is one, but manifesting as a two. It means we are by ourselves. We see ourselves as a single, but in the tantric, we are already union. You know, one part is the solar energy, one part is the lunar energy. And when we feel that we are, you know, separated from others or from our partners, we are not union, and that is the, the problem. So I think somehow also in Indian Hatha Yoga, it, it's kind of talking about this part. And the Hatha Yoga is sun and the moon, right? Hatha Yoga is sun and the moon. And yoga means union. So then in this case, what does it mean? Hatha Yoga means union of sun and the moon, right? So this is exactly in the Tummo we are talking. So union of the solar energy, you increase it. You know, the, the solar energy, you increase it, that melts lunar energy and the fire melts the, the butter, and then the butter drips in the fire, and the force is completely unified together. Then the heat is increased and the bliss is increased. So that's the, the, the basic theory of Dummo. So that's why in Dummo, we need to increase the Dummo fire. It means we need to increase the solar energy. And the more you increase the solar energy, the more the lunar energy is melted together, right? 
So why we have to do this melting process, burning and melting process? The more you melt, the more you burn, the more unifies, you know, unifies completely together, right? So then, yeah, I'm just telling the name. I don't practice Hatha Yoga, but everybody knows about Hatha Yoga. In a very theoretical way, if you explain that name of Hatha Yoga, actually unify solar and the lunar energy together, right? And that is the Dhamma practice. And this is also the foundation of the Karma Mudra practice. So that's why man and woman, one have man and one have son, you know, right? So we put them together and then you bring it up and then you spread in your body. So we can, we can mix our sun and moon together too. We have solar and lunar. We can do only that part too. So if we do only that kind of solo practice, it's called the Jana Mudra. Then, you know, we don't need to have a physical partner. We have only an imaginary or meditative partner. And you do that practice with a meditative partner and you mix your own solar and lunar energy together and then you are completed, right? You are completed. And then you know you are not alone. Then you know you're not single anymore. Then you are free from loneliness. You are free from sadness. <laughs> do you understand? and uh, you get a bliss by yourself. So many meditation meditators, they, they get this kind of thing. And then, you know, in the, this part of practice, we call it the Dzohrim. Dzohrim is a completion stage or, or perfection stage. So if you reach that level, solar and the lunar are completely mixed together, and then you complete yourself, right? You perfected yourself. So the perfectionism is not coming externally. It is our inner quality. And the perfect, you know, also the perfecting your spiritual journey is you can do it by yourself. You know, you don't need to do with somebody else or you don't need to, you know, chase others to, 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 to perfect yourself. Do you understand? Today, you know, in, in our ordinary life, also there are some people they are all there say, oh, I don't find a partner, you know, without partner, I'm not happy, without partner, I'm this and that, right? They think that partner gives the perfection part. But physically, it is true, you know, if we are somebody, you know, with our partners in love and this and that, that gives the perfection of that moment, right? So that's why in Karma Mudra, we need to find our, our physical partner too. But then the ones who does Jana Mudra, it's not always that the case, you know, it's not always we need a partner, you know, that with the partner only we are happy, even when we are single or alone, we are not happy, this and that. So some people, they can get this inner, how do you say, your own partner and your own bliss and your own completeness or the perfection means, you know, perfection, per perfection state. So that's why I think also it's very, very beautiful, this practice, how it's presented as a karma mudra and jana mudra, both way. So then, and some of like, let's say, you know, the, your genitals in the, the warm, uh, how do you say, warm milk and water mix, and you can suck this, you know, this we can say more like a muscle training and some people, they can do it. And you know, there are some, uh, how do you say, 
even you see in Thailand, you know, there are some people, it, it's a show off for them is the business. They're using like genital muscles. They, they, they do incredible things, right? Do you understand? So that's a similar. When I say this in some people's, no, is it, is it possible? You know, you can train your genital muscles, this, oh yeah. If you go to Thailand, if you, if you see one of those, uh, uh, how do you call it, the sex show, it is a business, but you see that they, how much they can train their muscles and how much they can do, right? So yeah, some of this we can explain through the medically, the function of the muscles and muscle training and so on. And then some others, you know, your peeing is already coming out and sucking back and that's even beyond of the muscle functions. So then we talk about the lung energy, you know, the subtle wind energy. So the lung energy goes out and you, it, it is with your mind. When your mind does it, and then actually it can affect, you know, the physical dimension too. Yeah. Have you ever seen that done? In a, in a very, very simple way. In a very, very uh, simple way. What I say is, um, uh, how do you say? Um, yeah, it is everything. It's a, a training question. Yeah, physically, physically sucking back the urine. I, I never saw one. Yeah, I never saw one. And uh, the one I mentioned, um, the one I mentioned, um, you know, this, uh, the Karma Mudra master from my hometown, the great yogi. And uh, it says he can put his penis in a white conch and he blow up the conch. You know, he's pushing, he, he put his air there through the penis and then, ooh, right? So yeah, of course, for us, we believe in these stories and this and that. But I was wondering, you know, how much physically, really medically, you can put your air there and this and that. But then I saw one in a, YouTube, I saw one in, in Thailand, you know, this one of the sex show, they are doing this, the men and the women, they, they, they actually do, they, they put different instruments there, they put the air inside and <laughs> it reminded me that story. So actually the funny thing is many things, what we say, oh, in Karma Mudra, they are like kind of miracles and, uh, you know, highly yogis and yoginis can do this. Today you can see this <laughs> in the sex shows, yeah, the muscle training. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Some people they really think these things are only the highly trained masters they can do it. But muscle training, it's a muscle training. You know, you can see many things today. And that is, uh, I think maybe we should not consider those are the miracles. You know, those are the miracles, right? Mm -hmm. I think the miracle, real miracle is you are really able to, to, <clears throat> to infuse your solar and lunar energy together. And then you are experiencing that kind of uh, complete um, long lasting bliss or orgasmic state, you know, within yourself. Or if you're doing the partner, that you know, you guys are in that kind of blissful state, and in a how do you say, you know, so it's 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 it have to be like a transcendent. It transcends 
from self and transcends from your partner, right? It's transcendental, it transcends. And then also long lasting, right? And the, the, the confusion between the orgasm and the, the greater bliss, you know? Orgasm, everybody knows the orgasm. It is a very high tense, you know, intense and very joyful play, pleasure uh, experiences. But we also know it's very short. It's pity. And so that's why when I talked about orgasm, some people are criticizing me. They say, oh, you know, the bliss is not orgasm. But I'm saying bliss doesn't contradict with orgasm or the blissful state, the Mahasukha, the great bliss doesn't have any problems with orgasm. So the orgasm itself, our ordinary orgasm, is the sign that we in ourselves we have this great bliss. It's a, it's a sign, you know, right? We need to have this kind of signs. Our body shows us, you know, we have this nature within ourselves. And it it, it awaits, uh, you know, it it is, uh, you know, so it is it the sign and it is also the proof, right? Very often people say, oh. When in Mahamudra, we say, oh, the nature of mind is the great bliss. And then maybe many people say, so prove it, you know, right? <laughs> in my mind, you know, I don't feel anything or my mind is confused. You always says, Deva Chimbo, Deva Chimbo, you know, right? Deva Chimbo, you always says, clear light, prove us, what is the light? Where is the light? Prove us, where is the bliss? Actually, orgasmic state is the proof because it's coming in our mind. Actually, mind itself is manifesting in that state. And that is the proof. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm aware of the time. So I'm going to have to choose one from my many list of questions here. So um, you talk a lot in the book about the prevalence of um, abuse by religious figures as a way to seduce their students and in fact that's one of the justifications you give for uh, revealing uh, details about this uh, traditionally quite secret practice and you write there are some tibetan buddhist gurus today both male and female who have sex with many of their students and call it karma mudra but i think that these teachers do not really know what karma mudra is and simply want to have sex with attractive young men and women some of the stories you hear about what these teachers do with their students also suggest that they don't really have much idea about how to have good quality or consensual sex either. Sometimes some people are thirsty and they just have to drink water right away. But of course, the problems start when such teachers get a lot of power and start abusing it and demanding that their needs be met. All sorts of suffering follows. Uh, that's the end of the quote. In some Karma Mudra text, it seems that sex between the guru and student is a part of the education process. And indeed, sometimes it's written that sometimes one's guru has sex with one's own partner for educational purposes. In the West, I think, especially in these days in modern culture, it's culturally held that a teacher, for rightly or wrongly, it's culturally held that a teacher should never have sex with their student in the same way a doctor should not have sex with their patient, for example, a therapist should not have sex with their client. And the rationale is, as I'm sure you're aware, to do with a conflict of interests between the professional and the personal and to do with power dynamics. Of course, quite often it, lamas um, 
marry their students today. I, I'm thinking of <clears throat> Michael Ash's Yogini project, in which he documented in video interview form uh, the stories of many wives of lamas, how they met and so on. And all this, all almost all the stories are explicitly to do with the teacher-student relationship. Uh, many of the great lamas in America, for instance, with American wives, um, they were first a teacher-student situation. That's what the Yoga Yogini project focused on. I'm curious what your view about all of that is, and when, if ever, uh, should a teacher have sex with their students? And is there a role for that in the Karma Mudra teaching? Well, firstly, before we talk about sex, we have to talk about love. Yes, there are many rules and regulations and a law about sex, you know, teacher, student, <laughs> doctor, patient, therapist, the patient, you know, and uh, these things, many rules. But if love happens, love is beyond of any laws and any rules. And uh, so if teacher and student, they're in love, patient and doctor, they're in love, who, who can stop that? Do you understand? I don't think love is logic. You know, we try to do best, you know, to, to follow the rules and this and that. So the dynamic is coming both sides, right? Dynamic is coming both sides. Patient or doctor or teacher or student. If, it, if there's a love chemistry, right? In America, if a doctor does act on that love, uh, they quite often may lose their, their license to practice medicine. For example, that can happen. Therapists, that happens a lot. Well, yeah, they, yeah, some of them, they get married. They be, be, become couples, right? True. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure that if they're in love, they know how to handle their relationship too. So yeah, sometimes, it, of course, the love can become drama and huge dramas and so on. But uh, so that's why I think we should uh, separate two things. One is the love story. One is the real sexual abuse. I think that, that's very important to make it clear. And uh, maybe some love stories may end up badly and that's why the story comes as a sexual abuses too. So that's why we really need to have a very clear understanding. And uh, I, I know there are many sexual abuses around, but also I don't believe they are all stories. Do you understand? As you said, like power dynamic, you know, power dynamic. And then the teacher had the power and power dynamic want to have sex with the student or maybe students power craving. You know, I call it a spiritual gold digger. I don't know if you like that word or not. I do. Very, <laughs> I like very, it. <laughs> there are maybe many students, both men and women, they are spiritual gold diggers, you know. And so they think maybe this is a way they receive blessing. Maybe this is a way to get power. This is a way to get close to somebody. I don't know. It, it can happen, right? Gold digger mentality is a gold digger mentality. It can happen for gold, for money and for spiritual, for anything. 
So that's why I think it, it is a very, uh, it's not just uh, simple. It is very easy to blame somebody. Okay, sexual abuse, right? It's very easy, sexual abuse, yes. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, sexual abuse between doctor and the patient. Of course, it's a doctor's mistake. Okay, sexual abuse, therapist. Yes, it's therapist mistake. Yes, teachers and students. Yes, it's teacher's mistake. Do you understand? The, the, the how our mind works and more or less it's, it's the way, more or less it functions that way. But we really don't know what is the, the dynamic energy happening with these two people and how much love is involved, how much understanding is involved. So that's why, yeah, I'm happy you asked me this question. And, uh, but what I really say is at end, you know, involving professional people to really investigate, to understand clearly. And I think that is the only solution. Do you understand? As we just say, okay, this sexual abuse here, there, and, uh, Every story has two sides, right? Every story has two sides. You are talking the ones, you know, the masters who are married with their students. I think that's the good story, it's the good result. I'm sure, I don't think it's only because of, uh, how do you say, the power and this and that. So once you marry and mostly it's, it's based on the, on the love, right? So the love and commitment and this and that. And I don't think it's something illegal or something is bad. I think it's good, you know, you have love, you got married, you know, you found your uh, karma mudra partner and this and that, I think that's perfect. But problem part is this, uh, you know, the, the abuse, the stories, I think in uh, this, this part, you know, we have in Buddhism, we have this uh, jagum. Jagum means analytic meditation. <laughs> analytic meditation. It means we have to analyze better, case by case, by case you know. We have to make it very clear. And it's not only the, how do you call it, the, the spiritual gold digger mentality. There is also involvement of mental issues. Do you understand? So there, you know, maybe many people, they have different mental issues, mental problems, and because of these mental issues in both sides, you know, can make us to get involved in the big mess too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's why I I'm sure there is a real like sexual abuse in the name of Buddhism and spiritual tradition. That's for sure. I know this myself too, because I often talk with um, my patient and actually I was asked by a, you know, quite a few of Buddhist practitioners, you know, Vajrayana practitioners, and they, they ask me, they are saying, oh, is it normal in, you know, Vajrayana Buddhism, you know, like your, your teacher asks you to, to go to bed together, and then it's not, you know, to go to bed, it's like, you know, I know one case, this lady was in love with him, you know, with the, her master, and then her master, maybe, I don't know, had many partners. Master is not interested in the love story, but she's interested in love story. So that's why she feels hurt, you know, she feels hurt. And then she asked me, is it that something Tibetan culture? 
of course, there is a big gap in the cultural understanding about sexuality, sex relation, this and this and that, you know, right? I'm sure also in the West, there are some cultural traditions that are very strict about these things, very secretive and very, they say it's something very personal. But some, some other cultures are more relaxed, right? Even same thing in, the, in, in Tibet. My place in the nomadic area, we are not so uh, paranoid about these things, you know, and especially I'm saying, I'm not saying about this, you know, other things I'm saying like, for example, like one, my cousin, she got pregnant 15, 16 years old and uh, her parents is not paranoid. They don't care much. They say, okay, she got pregnant and they want to know who is the father. And she did she denied, she didn't want to say. <laughs> I don't know, maybe she had a few boyfriends, she didn't know. But they even don't want to force her to say, okay, you have to say, and who is this and that, you know? It's okay, our daughter is pregnant and daughter is pregnant, that's it. She doesn't want to say who is the father, who is the father, okay. Let's go on, let's move on, you know. So that's why we don't have too much about this, uh, how do you say, the craziness about, okay, somebody's pregnant and okay, this and that. So that's why I'm sure there's a big, like a cultural gap too, cultural understanding too, right? So yeah, unfortunately, they're like, I, as I wrote, they're about the sexual abuses and especially the ones who are sleeping around, you know, with many people using the name of Karma Mudra, you know, this for me, it disturbs because that's why I thought, okay, if, if people are really interested in karma mudra, you know, you read the book, we need more education. And if also the student, they think, okay, my teacher is having some reactions, you know, or, you know, this showing some interest to in this, okay, karma mudra, I'm not ready. You know, you're allowed to think that way. But then the problem is where, to who you ask, where you get information, do you understand? I think that was the, that was the problem. And that's why when those people, they come to me, they ask me, oh, in Tibetan tradition is like that. Oh, in the Tibetan Buddhism, you have to sleep with your teacher if he or she asks you. It's not only man's part, also women's part, you know. Do you understand? So it is uh, <clears throat> becoming a big issue and obstacle. That is the one of the reason I wrote the book, you know. <clears throat> and also one of the main reason I want to make it uh, public because I was hoping it can become as a educational tool. You know, it's a kind of education people can read and understand. And also the historically, like some, um, you know, some karma mudra masters, they wanted, you know, this uh, sex relation or karma mudra practice with their students or these other people. But there are also stories, this other people can refuse it, you know, can refuse it, right? But I think like today, it's little bit some, we know some part is like kind of overreacting, right? Like, oh, sex harassment and, you know, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, power abuse, you know, the people who are saying, oh, that one is power abusing, verbal abusing, psychological abusing, you know? And the truth is those people, they say, oh, somebody's abusive and they are abusing that word of abuse. 
Do you understand? That's that's the bigger craziness, you know. They really, really, some people are so focused, you know, or sexist or narcissist or you know, abuser, and this they are so crazy all about these things. This, you know, they are so crazy about these things, they are so busy with these things. So which make themselves it's abuser of abuse word. <laughs> You know, it, it, it is really interesting. That's why I'm saying we need to go to a clear investigates. You know, I really hope, you know, we hear so many stories about, you know, sexual abuse here, there. You know, with politicians, it happens, right? Politicians, it happens. Normally the ones, they are kind of successful one and then the many stories follows them. And many, any other kind of public figures come out and then these stories come. So that's why the spiritual master is the same thing. It's the same mechanical, you know, but politicals and public figures, the story comes. So the investigation is involved and at the end they say who is right, who is wrong. And we have a kind of clear answer. But many spiritual cases, we don't have this kind of answer. I think that's pity, right? A guru is accused, okay, in the law, right? Investigation, this and that, okay, at end, it's a real sexual abuse, the guru, or it's a maybe, I don't know, it, it can happen, right? Do you understand? Maybe it can be a, just a love drama. So in this case, story, it's easy to happen, and, and bad news, easy to spread like a wildfire. But then what is the final result? We need, to, we need to know that part too. So I hope, you know, there will be some kind of final results, you know, this kind of investigations too, right? Recently, there are many teachers, they are accused of this and that, but there is no like final conclusion. So I think that's a little bit pity, right? If there's a final conclusion, then we can finish the movie. <laughs> we can watch the movie, okay, this and that, okay. One movie is finished, we go another movie. And then the Buddhist master this. okay, I resign from my organization. Okay, now I'm out from my organization and my organization will keep this. And then maybe also this, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize for all sentient beings, blah, blah. You know, this uh, kind of, very generic uh, apology statement, you know, these things. I don't think this is a real solution. So that's why I think something, you know, this kind of uh, sexual abuses and these things, I think it's, it's good it's, it's, it to make it clear in a samsara way, you know, I mean, in a like ordinary way to make things clear. I think that's very important then what I can do is, what I can do is about education. This is the reason, you know, I published the book. So hopefully it's helpful many people, many people, and especially, you know, if they see, okay, you know, even my teacher says I can refuse. Okay, if my teacher is talking about Karma Mudra, and now here I have some information, I want to talk with my teacher, you know, my, if my teacher really knows about Karma Mudra or not, do you understand? And most of cases are like that. Mm -hmm. And some people, they are saying, oh, you know, I dedicated my book for sexual you know, abuse victims. They say, oh, this is not like, why a Karma Mudra book is dedicated for them? 
Okay, I had some reactions like this. Yeah, maybe one or two people are saying like, your dedication is already wrong. Do you understand? So I don't think it's anything wrong. And actually, karma mudra itself is the, the path of the bliss and the joy. And so many people, instead of the experience bliss and joy, they experience pain and suffering. So that's why to dedicating that, I don't think anything is wrong. Mm -hmm. Should we end here or do you have time for a question more? Well, you can ask some more questions. Okay. I'd like to talk a bit more about the criticism you've received for writing and releasing the Kama Mudra book. Um, and I'd also like to talk actually a bit about trauma. But what advice would you give to a young tulku, let's say, who perhaps is inexperienced in the, or a young lama of any kind, uh, who is inexperienced socially or relationally, uh, yet finds themselves in a position <clears throat> um, of uh, uh, a, a famous position. Uh, we know, of course, that it doesn't matter if you're a rock star or a politician or a religious teacher of fame, uh, fame is attractive. And people, as you said, there are all kinds of people interested in becoming close to a famous person or a significant person. Uh, what advice would you give to young Tuku or something like that who finds themselves in a rock star position like that um, to sort out the spiritual gold diggers from the um, uh, potential partners who can be engaged with in a healthy kind of a way? Mm -hmm. Education. They need education. General words, I think they need to learn the things, they need education. That's very, very important. And, um, and, and uh, maybe a little bit uh, a bad word, maybe they need a therapy, psychotherapy too. Because, uh, you know, as you are saying, the young tulkus, you know, they are, you know, from the kids, they are treated in a special way. Probably many of them, they think they can just get whoever they want or whatever they want. So the educational part, you know, the cultural part, there are some issues. And then, so that's why it's good, you know, if they have some other people's like guidance or education, right? or even like a psychotherapy. I don't know if some of the tulkus, in, if they are raised in an old traditional way, psychologically, they can connect with general public or not. So that's why I think the education is very, very important. And maybe uh, mentally, you know, some of them kind of completely spoiled or whatever this and that, and they need some kind of therapy too, psychotherapy too, you know? <laughs> Do you understand? <clears throat> so basically, I think uh, the main struggle in monasteries and tulkus and these things is like they can't talk these things to somebody openly. So that's why I'm saying if they talk to somebody, maybe it's kind of like a psychotherapy too, you know, kind of form of psychotherapy. They can talk to people and they can have more information, understanding about and, and so on. So for myself, when I was young boy, I was always had a kind of 
you know, in my young age, you know, the desires, this and that, and to nobody, even to, to talk with your father or your brothers, it's a little bit kind of uh, shame, you know, you don't talk about these things, and then you don't know how to handle it. And then if you talk, try to talk with your friends, like teenager friends, and maybe you have, you are scared that they will laugh at you. Do you understand? So somehow you have to keep so many things inside. You have to cover so many things inside. And this is actually like also Lelong's biography. He talks about these things. As a young boy, as a young Tulku, he grows up and he had so much his sexual desire and he didn't know what to do and there no there was nobody you know that where he can talk or there are no books he can read so he find himself completely isolated and alone and he got lost there and then he also explains very clearly like then somehow he learned how to masturbate you know and then sometimes he, in his biography says he was giving the empowerment and then he sees a very attractive like young girl of course he was a young boy too you know it's a normal a young boy loves a young girl and then he come back home and he you know he can't stop thinking about her and he didn't know what to do you know all the things so you see it's that's why there's the really the lack of education and lack of support and guidance you know and uh, so that's why I think especially today and the young Tulkus, this, it's important to receive more educations, you know, and in the, in the, not only the Dharma education, they need to receive the basic education about, uh, you know, about uh, health, about sex and about, uh, yeah, whatever relationship and so on like there are many for example here in the west most of kids in the primary not primary middle school or high school they have an education about human body physiological function about sex you know all this you know about hygiene about uh, pregnancy all these things right so similar way but still I, I don't think it's enough you know because I know so many young people they still struggle here in the west and this is the reason why 99% of young people teenagers they are kind of addicted to the porn movies so why they're addicted to porn movies because they have that emotion that feelings but then no one to talk, no one to share. And then what they do, okay, online, I Google the porn. Okay, you are, yes, this is, this is all about sex. This is this, it's very addictive, but it's not only addictive, also kind of destroying your mind, you know? And the porns, you, you know, you see everything is, of course, they are actors and actress, you know? They are, everything is staged and then, in the porn movie, when the young people they watch, they want stronger and stronger ones, you know, so more aggressive. So then at end is like a kind of a process of fighting and torturing and this and that. So there's, you don't see much the intimacy, the connection, the power of hugging, the power of talking, the power of looking at each other. Do you understand? The whole, the good energy, good vibe, of the love and the sex and making love. Actually, I, I like this English expression, make love, you know, 
<laughs> right? It's a love, but we have to make it, we produce it. Actually, that's about when you are really in love with somebody, with your partner, what you do is you make love. And actually the making love process enhances the love, you know, enhances the connection, enhances the, you know, how do you say, understanding and prosperity and spreading the good energy and these things, right? But, and, and actually now our new generation, you know, their sex education is not Kama Sutra. I wish it was, <laughs> you know and nor karma mudra, but it's the porn movies. And their information, what they get is kind of very aggressive. Do you understand? And then this can cause this mentally, energetically, this can damage. And then they are not good, the real performance, right? Because real performance, what they remember is from the porn movies, what you need to do. Okay, you need to this and you know, they're kind of you know, like they are kind of possessed by the, you know, poor movies and they are want to do something like that. If they can do like that, they think, okay, I'm dysfunctional and this and that. It, it's kind of really like messing up, you know? So that's why I think we need to bring up more education about sex. You know, about sex, for me, I talk this because it's a, it's a medical subject, you know? In the psychotherapy, there's a, some psychotherapy, especially about, you know, for sex uh, psychotherapy. And then also physical dysfunction, it's a medical issue. So that's why I don't, uh, maybe this is a little bit my different than other Tibetan, you know, lamas and teachers, because maybe they think, okay, sex is something, you know, we should not talk about. But in medical field, we talk these things. I talk with this patient because they have these issues and they're talking to me. I try to find a solution for them. So for us, it's a professional, normal conversation going on, right? So that's why I'm more open-minded also in the tantric way. We need to bring it out. I'm not revealing the secrets. I'm just saying, I try to educate people. We need to no, we need to learn because today, as His Holiness Dalai Lama says, the 21st century is the century of education, right? Education, information. So then in education, there are good education, there are bad education too. So that's why I'm saying the porn movies are becoming education too. It's a very bad education. So why not we bring more Kama Sutra karma mudra, educate people better and they have a better understanding. They have a better understanding themselves and their connection and connection to their partners, right? And so the ones who are criticizing my book, not so many, actually, uh, I was expecting many more, very few. So I'm a little bit surprised. I always tell them, please first read my book. If you read my book, if you have issues, you talk to me, I'm happy to talk and discuss. But normally this, oh yeah, sex sells, you know, you want to sell your books through your like this and that. I said, that's not my motivation. My motivation is I want to educate people. I want to help people. And I want to also, how do you say, help people that they can, they can defend themselves, you know, they can protect themselves, right? But then in any case, if somebody think negatively, you cannot change their mind, you know. They think, okay, sex sells. Yes, you know, you wrote this for, for make yourself famous. And I said, please read the book. 
<laughs> really, the, the, the funny thing is, I think most of the people, they read the book. I didn't have any reactions and questions, but the ones who saying, oh, you, why you make it public? Oh, you know, like you are this and that. Those ones, they don't read the book and they try to criticize my book, you know? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned their energetic consequences of watching pornography. And you also in your book talk about dip or the subtle pollution of the channels that can come from multiple partners, random partners and so on. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what dip is and its consequences and in what way, if at all, it can be repaired? Well, everything can be repaired, you know, every poison, every poison has their own medicines. And uh, yeah, multiple partners, I think maybe our human nature is not, we are always kind of multiple partners. We have partners to partners, maybe we want to find the right one. <laughs> I think maybe, and one day when we find the right one, then we stop there and then everything is okay. And you know, I think this kind of thing. But then some people are kind of like, uh, how do you say, using the name of, ah, yes, tantric sex. Oh, I like it. You know, I want to do with everyone without responsibilities, you know, without any of these things. I think, yeah, that those things can be, can be harmful, you know, can be harmful. But then the energy, we call it the trip. Trip means, you know, if you like go around, if you sleep with many people, maybe you get these negative energies. And then you have to do lots of Vajra Sattva to purify. Actually, there is a, there was a scientific research, I think somewhere from UK. I don't know if you read it, you know, and the women, they said they have DNA, their brain, you know, if any man they ejaculated in their genital in vagina, they said the one part of this man's DNA is women's brain. Did you read that article? Mm -hmm. I did. I read that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and how about, yeah, my question is how about for men? Maybe the man also receiving something from women. Does, does it say anything about that? Uh, no, but I think there's also some interesting research about pair bonding that many partners can reduce the ability of people to pair bond. So in that case, it's better to have multiple partners or? Well, in this particular research, it was suggesting that multiple partners reduces the ability to pair bond. Exactly. Bonding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in a scientific way, let's call it that is a tip, you know, the negative energy you receive, right? <laughs> Especially, can you imagine if you had so many partners and part of their energy stays in your brain forever? And uh, so, if you sleep around with crazy people, <laughs> you collect many crazy DNA. So, yeah, I really like to, how do you say, explain and understand things very clearly. And that's why sometimes this kind of, I'm not saying all scientific researches are right, you know, but, but many of these researches are very useful and it helps us to understand, you know, also the traditional way what we are talking. So that's why I'm always fascinated, you know, I like to read articles and all about these kind of things. I think, yeah, these things are really, really interesting. And then I, what I really believe, actually this uh, 
the great master uh, um, Kamla Namka Jatso. So he was a Karma Mudra master. And actually he had many partners in his life, you know, because in this case, sometimes, you know, he kind of, he's teaching directly to Karma Mudra, but it seems sometimes he was asked by his some female disciples, you know, so, oh, you know, we know you are the, the great Karma Mudra master. Maybe they think, okay, okay, quick, you know, let's do something and then I'm, you know, I'm enlightened. I think in different ways. He didn't say clearly, but uh, it's, it's an interesting story. I think which is also usual, you know, that's why I'm saying maybe it's not always the master, you know, the yogi goes there to grab the yoginis. And sometimes yoginis, they really want, you know, <laughs> grab them, you know. So he said, yeah, in his uh, life, he had so many partners. Actually, he says it's not good, you know, he's not good. He says it's not like, uh, you know, you have more partners, you have more experiences, you get more enlightened. So he's, I love that because he said that with his experiences, okay? It seems that he had a hundred of partners and that's why he says, don't do, don't search many partners, you know? You really, of course, then we very often, we talk about the longtengi. Longten is like profiles, you know, normally we have a karmic partner or your masters or maybe you dream about them I know when when you have this uh, when you have connection with somebody, you know, karmically, spiritually, you know there is something. So we don't need to explain much. And uh, then if you find that person, also you are not craving with others, because whatever you want is from that partner, right? So that is called karmic partner, you know. So you are fully satisfied you're fully connected and fully understandable and yeah full love you know right so i think that's the bounding you know once you are kind of in that wave then you don't need to craving you know because maybe some people think okay i sleep more with more people then i get more better energies Actually, like, you, you know, that we are talking about this article, we maybe we're collecting more garbage, <laughs> garbages, you know? Yeah. Okay, perhaps my last question then. Uh, you, you've mentioned there about uh, traumas and you say, uh, you write in your book, Kama Mudra, in my work as a doctor, I come across many patients who have been sexually abused from a young age and they have enormous trauma. And I'm curious how it is uh, as a medical doctor and also a spiritual teacher um, in the traditions in which you've been trained, uh, how, how is trauma seen and dealt with? How do you deal with situations like this where someone comes to you with traumas? Uh, what advice do you give? In what way is trauma seen and dealt with in, in those traditions? Um, are there, and are there any special considerations in the case of sexual trauma? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like um, mostly the sexual traumas, the, you know, many people, they have sexual dysfunction syndrome. So it means they're not, uh, you know, kind of um, open or properly ready for, uh, you know, sexual intercourse and these things. So it, it takes time, you know. And uh, the tantric, we can say like the channels are blocked, the base channel or the, you know, 
the chakra has the channels. So the base chakra, we have 32 petals. Let's say it's a blockage of the, the petals. So that's why it, it's um, especially what I believe is sexually traumatized, this trauma healing, if they learn about themselves, their body, like a meditation of karma mudra, I think it really helps them to, to relax and to reconnect with themselves. And the old blockage channels can be reopened. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? So like we, could, we say the poison cures the poison. The poison is very strong. So we need to use a very strong medication, right? That's the, that's the physics or chemistry, how also our uh, chemical drugs, it works. You know, we use the stronger drugs or dosage, you know, for a stronger disease. And uh, <clears throat> so this is the reason why also karma mudra is important because uh, if people have more uh, sexual desire and uh, the feeling and these things, if they practice karma mudra, it works them better, right? Because that's their nature. And the same way, like Lung Chimba says, the angry people, some people, you know, they're always short temper and stress this. It's good to do the deity yoga with the wrathful deities, you know, some deities are very wrathful and then the mantra, then because they have this nature of anger and somehow the deity also kind of expression of anger and then it, it matches to their nature and they can release this way, you know, their anger, releasing or to, to balance their anger. And then the, um, the people with ignorant is the, the Ati Yoga. <laughs> so, you know, Ati Yoga. And without learning much, without doing much, and how directly you can, you know, you can meditate on Ati Yoga. I think that's a, that's a very, very beautiful way to, to express, you know. Like I said, the Tigle, the three type of Tigle is their antidotes for three mental poisons. So in the old school, Nyingma school, Maha Yoga, Anu Yoga, Ati Yoga, three yogas are also antidote of three mental poisons, right? And so the same way, like then we have homeopathy, right? Homeopathy is the same nature cured by the same nature. So then in that case, I think like the, how do you say, the poisons. So the trauma itself is with sexual trauma. And meditation is the, you know, meditation about sex. Do you understand? So that's, that's like more homopathic, similarity, similarity, you know, the same energy cures the, the same problem, right? So somehow through this, we can process it, you know, we can process it. And then of course we have kind of also allopathic way to meditate, you know, it's oh, okay, let it go, you know, forgive, let it go, forgive and, you know, don't think of them, you know, like this kind of uh, opposite way. Oh, you know, even somebody tor tortured you, somebody this and that, and, you know, generate your love and kindness to them and compassion, let it go. So I think that's a little bit, you know, that the trauma is uh, anger and aggression. So you use the opposite, like love and compassion, kindness, understanding. So some people, they can unblock that way too. Maybe that takes more time. But then this, this meditation is um, 
how do you say this antidote probably we can say more homopathic antidote you know right the the, the trauma is the sexual trauma but the healing also about sexual meditation does it make sense yes that's fascinating that's fascinating there are some meditations with breathing you know normally we have the mindful breathing this mindful breathing is the it's the joyful mindful breathing or the bliss blissful mindful breathing you know when you breathe and you work with your tilia bring up and down and you experience this it 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 might take time but it's a very nice practice which helps us to to reconnect with our body with our channels and with our energy and then from there like we can make it a restart everything Dr. Nita thank you so much for a fascinating interview your 2018 book Karma Mudra the Yoga of Bliss really fascinating book i really recommend if anyone has been interested in this interview uh, and the things we discussed to get that book uh, Dr. Nita Chatsang thank you very much thank you i have a question for you did you read my book of course how is it tell me tell me the truth your personal view about this book um i uh, liked it a lot i think what you're the thing that i found interesting about it of course the content in terms of the exercises and so on um you know very wonderful and very natural natural uh way i think and in fact yeah i won't say that so the interesting thing that i think you had to deal with it's easy answering is not so easy <laughs> that's why i asked the questions yeah the uh, the thing that's difficult that you had to deal with is a number of issues on the one hand you have the traditional suppressive um uh, cultural approach uh, which one has to be careful about how one uh, navigates that on the other hand there's the overreaction currently as you said of sex is uh, there's a hysteria actually about sex and about uh, power and all these things where everything is an abuse like you mentioned it seems that talking about sex at all yes on the one hand people may accuse you of trying to become famous writing a book about sex and it probably worked you probably lots of people found out about you who did not know about you because this book is about sex but on the other hand you're really setting yourself up for possibly big problems because if you start talking about sex then you put a big target on your chest mm -hmm. and um uh, any uh wrinkle in your own uh behavior or accusations and so on and so forth of course much more you know <laughs> much more uh likely because the people have an invested interest get very reactive about the subject and start saying who is this dr nida both sides in other words even though both sides are so opposite you become a target for both sides so i do not envy you for putting out a book like this i think it's a big risk and a good a great service and a really you 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 it was very balanced you really brought sanity and open up the conversation this book i think opens up a lot of conversation it's a lot of opening up conversation that's my personal view yeah 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 i like your personal view it's true it's uh, yeah it's uh it's a opening it's probably the first book about uh, karma mudra and it's not so easy you know to to balance what modern people they think and you know what tradition is and then 
you know, there is a one big question also about uh, semen retention. You know, that's normally people get so many questions, semen retention. And the classical texts, you know, the semen retention is very, very important. And then, but some great masters like Lelong said, you know, we should not do too much. It can be harmful too, which is uh, medically, it's true. You know, today there's a scientific proof too. And so I try to also bridge the spiritual part and medical part and try to give both information. So that can help me to, to balance a little bit. But then, yeah, what you said, I, I like what you said. It's like, you know, then I'm, I'm myself is becoming a target, you know, of others. Maybe I, I thought about that a little bit, you know, I thought that a little bit. And, um, but then at end I said, uh, I have to believe in myself. I have to trust in myself. And, uh, you know, I have to be aware of my, my uh, intentions and my, how do you say, my work or, you know, my, my behaviors and so on. So I thought, uh, yeah, if um, personally criticized or accused or whatever happens, I thought I'm ready. You know, I really wanted to open this subject because otherwise, uh, yeah, it's, you know, like this, the stories of the sexual abusers and, you know, Buddhism, this, I think in general, it's going like a little bit crazy, you know, and, and, and there is no answer. So that's why I thought, okay, even I will be the targeted, but I want to bring it out. And then there is a Chinese proverb, I like it. It says, you throw the bricks, but somebody will throw the jade. So it means it's important you start, you know. Maybe the thing what you start is an ordinary brick, not so important and not so precious, but because you start to throw it out, then maybe somebody else will throw the jade brick or the diamond brick. So that's why, yeah, I think it's a kind of start that we can talk about this and know more about this, yeah. Dr. Nidhi, you also mentioned here that the most common question you receive about this book and about this set of teachings is about semen retention. Of course, classically, is said to be essential for correct practice of spiritual sex. Um, but you, your views differ somewhat from that, uh, from that classical view. Could you explain some? Um, well, yeah, that's a very good question, and the most common question I receive. And uh, yeah, in according to all classical tantric texts, uh, says uh, semen retention is very, very important. So that's the ancient information. So modern medical science says uh, semen retention or losing semen doesn't make much change. And even if we lose the semen often, it's refreshing, reproducing, that uh, hires the quality of semen. So there are two kind of completely different informations, you know. So I try to let people understand, you know, the spiritually is the restriction of losing semen and scientifically kind of encouraging us to lose semen. I think it's an interesting topic. And then also uh, tantric text says we should not lose semen, but then there are some other occasions also we should lose the semen. And one of this losing semen is enhancing the meditation experiences. That's a very interesting part. But then as I said, you know, in the Tantra, we have this very 
um, logic and academic and um, uh, how do you say approach about explanations, you know, why we should not lose Siemens and reasons and, you know, quotations from which tantra and which masters, all this kind of very intellectual approach about this. Then the other part is, you know, the, the, the answers are coming from answers and understandings are coming from experience, the great masters. So in this case, I would say Lelung Shape Dorje is one of the most qualified uh, uh, historical master. And he says this clearly. He said, yeah, all tantric texts says don't lose semen. Actually, he says not so practical. <laughs> so I'm really surprised because when you read his books, he's very precise, Lelong Shapedorji. He's very, very, he's almost like Jetsunkaba, you know, very philosophical and very kind of hitting the point. And, you know, he, you know, debate part is very sharp, very intellectual. But when he comes about this, he says, yes, many texts and uh, especially the original tantric text says don't lose him. And, and he said it can cause health issues, you know chronic kidney issues. So I know that now we know it's more referred to the chronic kidney issue. Some of these are connected to uh, prostate problems, you know, right? So all the prost you know, the prostatic, uh, like enlargement of prostate or prostatitis, inflammation of prostate or prostate tumor or cancer. And uh, I think ancient time is more referred to the kidney issues. Actually, that what he said is very accurate. You know, he said it's not good to retain the semen too much. It can cause health issues. <laughs> so he said that very clearly in 17th uh, century. But then according to Tibetan medicine, it says it is important to release the semen. If we keep too much again, it can cause different health issues, you know. So that's why I tried to balance in the information. And in my that book, I, th I think, I quoted one, uh, this scientific uh, information, it says in a month to ejaculating 21 time, it's something healthy for prostate. Maybe that's a little bit too much, I don't know. But I, you know, I can't change the scientific research. I put that one too. But what I can tell people is really like all our individual questions, you know, right? And some people also, they have this, uh, post-ejaculation syndrome. It means after ejaculation and they feel exhausted and tired and, you know, lack of energy and so on. So if you guys have that kind of symptoms, maybe it's better you don't ejaculate. And then I know young people, even they ejaculate, they always have energy power, they don't lose anything. So that's why at end, I think it's, it's important we have to find a balanced original tantric teaching and medical science together. We have to find balance by ourselves. And also some people are very kind of paranoid, oh, you know, losing semen, wet dreams. And this, you know, if, if you are more having fear and scared and this, and if people are having this post ejaculation syndrome, you know, it's the, the interesting thing is that we mentioned already about homopathic method, but if they ejaculate a few times, you know, kind of exercise for their muscles <laughs> and prostate, all these things, and then somehow they can get back their energy. 
So that's why I think also it depends on your age, you know, your situation and your body condition and these things. But we really need to have a good understanding according to our own conditions. So that's what I can say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You might find this interesting, but I think the power of suggestion is mental suggestion is very strong in things like post-ejaculation fatigue. And different guilt, yeah. Yeah, guilt. And that's that's a lot of the weight of the post-ejaculation response can come if if people believe it's it's um wrong or they're losing their energies, uh, then of course they feel terrible about having done that after they've done it. Yeah, well, uh, medically in our ejaculation, like we have proteins and zinc, uh, calcium, you know, they're like chemical substances, but many of them we can regain it through food, right? So according to Tibetan medicine, every seven days, you know, our sperm and semen is completely like refreshed. And, uh, and medically, like every day, millions of sperms are produced by our disability. So I think, yeah, it's good to we try to balance this thing. Otherwise, yeah, not losing semen and sometimes they lose and then it's becoming a psychosomatic problem too, right? And I like this Tibetan medicine says we so, somehow we need to follow the, you know, body's urge, right? If we feel cough, it's better we cough, you know, if we repress the cough and that in the longer term that might uh, affect our lungs breathing, you know, if we feel the sneeze, even sneeze, and this is better sneeze, you know, and if we need to pee, it's better we pee. So holding too much pee, it can damage the muscle function of urinary bladder. And if extremely holding, the urine can travel back to the kidney and it can even destroy the kidney function, right? So the body is a reaction and body has a reaction, body has a nature. We need to listen to the body and we need to follow that, right? So otherwise some people think, oh, it's better I meditate, you know, pee is kind of secondary. I have to finish my meditation. If they do this frequently, it can be very harmful. So, you know, body is giving this signal because we need to clean the urinary bladder. You know, body is giving the signal we need to clean our colon, our rectums, <laughs> right? And the same way our body is giving a signal we are nauseous, we need to vomit. It's better to vomit out, you know? That emetic, this is a therapy too. It's an automatic therapy. So that's why body is urging and needing ejaculation and maybe not all time or too much, but time to time we need to do it, you know? So I think, yeah, that part is, I think that part, that is also the reason why in some practices is ejaculating is enhancing the meditation experiences. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.